Romans chapter 15, and uh, <clears throat> I heard a story during Sunday school. Brother Blackie was up here reading my notes for the 11 o'clock hour, and uh, <clears throat> he stole my notes. Uh, I'm not for sure how. I guess he came down to the office and came down here and stole them from me. But if you were in Sunday school, uh, he, he taught about striving together or working together, being on the same team, and that's what I'm preaching on this morning. So uh, we're going to talk about that, Romans chapter 15, and uh, I never want to forget, never want to forget what God has done for us in this country, and uh, we would not be here today had not someone worked together to get us to where we are. Now, I want to thank God for that. Now we're going to jump right into the text, Romans chapter uh, 15. Paul is writing this letter, and he is telling the, the Romans or the, these Christians that he wants to come see him. He wants to come to them. And at this point in his ministry, God has not allowed him uh, or not given him that open door to be able to go to Rome yet. When he goes to Rome, the story is when he goes to Rome, he ends up in jail. And actually, uh, that's where he gets killed at or be, uh, martyred for the cause of Christ is in Rome but he says in this text in verse number 24 we'll start there uh, but he begins to say that he wants to go to Rome not knowing that that is where it would take him where he would spend life in prison and uh, he would write what we would call the prison epistles and uh, he would write uh, the book of Philippians and, and on uh, in prison there in Rome but he had no idea what was going to take place when he went to Rome but his desire was to go to these people to encourage them, to strengthen them in the Lord, to continue to preach the gospel. So let's read this text together. If you have your Bibles, Romans 15, let's all stand. And uh, let's read in verse, if you can, verse number 24. Paul says, <coughs> when or, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thither word by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it has pleased them of Macedonia and of Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It has pleased them verily <coughs> and their debtors they have. For if Gentiles have been made partakers of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in the carnal things. When, therefore, I have performed this and have sealed to them this, this fruit, I will come by you to, into Spain, for I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall, go, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that we, that ye, everybody read with me the next two words, strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, which I have of for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with, the, with joy by the will of God, and may with you, be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So Paul is giving his desires to visit Rome. 
kinds of gives us a little bit of uh, a statement there, and we'll, we'll start there. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, first of all, I want to say thank you for the veterans that have served, those that have went on before us and those that are serving currently. I thank you, Lord, for allowing me <coughs> the blessing to grow up in America. Thank you for this great country. I pray that may it continue to be what it ought to be. Lord, I pray that we would follow you. Lord, I pray that we would, we as a church, as a group, we would strive together to serve you, strive together to please you in the will of God. We love you, God. We thank you for all that you've done. And in the strong name of Jesus, we pray and amen. Amen. You may be seated. In verse number 24, I'm coming to Rome. It ended with him in prison uh, when he went to Rome, verse number 25. But God had given him specific instructions to go to Jerusalem at this, at this specific time. God did not want him to go to Rome. God wanted him to go to Jerusalem. And so he left and went to Jerusalem, and his journey ended up taking, at the end, he was able to go to Rome and preach the gospel. But, first of all, as we get into the, get into the message here, this morning, uh, we need to strive together. What is that word strive together? <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever watched <coughs> Olympics or ever watched um, like the rowing teams. How many of you guys have ever watched those rowing teams on TV? You know, they, they, they have a team of, I don't know, six or eight guys. I don't even know how many guys are on the, on the boat. And they all have to row together. And uh, if one guy's rowing faster than the other guy, or one guy's pulling a little bit harder than the other guy, uh, the boat won't go straight. Uh, and, and if you've ever watched them before, you know, they would say, uh, guys on the left or whatever pull a little bit harder so they could turn one direction or the other. <clears throat> I don't know if any of you have ever been canoeing. Anybody been canoeing before? Not, I haven't, what? Not very many people have been canoeing. All right, well, if you get in a canoe, there's one person in the front and one person in the back guy, and the back normally steers the thing. And uh, if the guy in the back doesn't know what he's doing, you will be lost as a goose in a snowstorm. And uh, the, the canoe will not be controlled. So you have to control the canoe from the back. But what happens in a canoe and even on that steering, on that boating team, if one person, I'm on the right hand and I pull it on the right, and I have somebody pulling on the left, and I, if I paddle harder, guess what we're going to do? We're going to turn to the right. And if you're in a boat all by yourself and you paddle on one side, you're just going to sit there and turn circles. So what you need is somebody on the left-hand side pulling just as hard as you are on the right-hand side. What do you have to do? You have to strive together. You have to work together. And as a church, you know what we need to do? The right side doesn't need to be pulling harder than the left side. Because if the right side is pulling harder than the left side, guess what we're going to do? We're going to turn around in circles. And we're going to be making nonsense. It's not going to make any sense to us. It's not going to mean anything. And in that verse, he says we need to strive together. Paul was what we would call a missionary. What that means is that he was sent out of a local church, and he went and preached the gospel all across the world. Literally, the, his travels took him all the way across, all around that gulf there. If you'll look at the map, you could see it. Um, even if you can uh, look at it, most, some, some of your Bibles will have the travels of Paul. 
And if he travels the first missionary journey, the second missionary journey, the third missionary journey, and Paul traveled a huge bit. But there was something that took place for him to be able to do what he did. Paul could not have done that by himself. Paul, every journey he took, he took somebody with him. Some of the tales he'll tell who the guy was. Some of them, we don't know exactly who was there, but we know that there were people that were with him. But back home at his church that sent him, there was something that was taking place. And if you will read with me, the first thing that we, we as a church need to strive together, and that is financially. You say, what? Financially. Look in verse, look in verse number 26. What does he say in verse 26? He said, verse 25, he said, I got to go to Jerusalem. But in verse number 26, he says, For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and of Achaia to make a certain what? Contribution. What does that mean? Uh, that means that somebody financially contributed to Paul being a missionary. Paul could not have been making all those travels, buying all those tickets, and going place to place without somebody financially helping him get there. And as a church, guess what we can't do if all of us don't work together? Financially, we all have to work together. If you will, you've got your Bible open. If you will turn to keep your Bible in, in Romans and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. You will see Paul makes reference to the gift, the contribution, the, the gift that was made that he mentions in Romans chapter number 15. And in, Rome, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 8 and verse number 1, the Bible says now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that, <coughs> excuse me, Second Corinthians, because I am in the wrong spot. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 1. He says, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, if you read in that text, in, in Romans chapter number 15, what does he say? He says, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia, the same church, same place. And he says, verse number 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, <coughs> the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality for to their power I bear record yea and beyond their power they were willing of themselves 2nd Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 3 the Bible says in verse number 2 that they abounded of the riches of their liberality what did that mean that means this is that the church of Macedonia those that were there those that that had supported Paul where he was at gave of themselves financially to be able to do what Paul was doing and to help those that were in Jerusalem. And what does that say to me? Paul says in Romans chapter number 15 and verse number, uh, verse number 30, he says that ye strive together as a church. Guess what we cannot do? Guess what we will not ever do if we do not strive together? Financially, we won't go forward. We have to strive together. That's not just me, and it's not about just you. It's every one of us doing the part in which God has called us to do. Every one of us need to do our part financially. 
You say, I have a part to do financially? Yes, you do. And you say, how do you know that I have a part financially? Because you are a born-again Christian. And if you are a born-again Christian, you have a part to play out financially to the church. Not to me. Not, I, look, I, I'm not preaching and I'm not saying this to benefit me. I'm preaching this because it is part of this text. He's telling us that we've got to work together financially, together to make it work. Back there on that back wall, we have missionaries, and we support those missionaries. But do you know what? We're not the only supporters of those missionaries. Those guys back there, will have some of them have up to 50 or 60 churches that send them a monthly check every, every, ma- every, every month. Some churches send 100. Some churches send 50. Some churches send 125. Some churches do different. But every church has a part of their ministry with those missionaries. And that's exactly what was taking place with Paul. It wasn't just one church carrying the load. It was all of them working together. And guess what? You know what? This church could not go if we just had one person giving. Because if we had one person giving, we would go under. We couldn't afford to keep the lights on. But it's every person, every church person, everybody that belonged to do our part. Not Hey, i got to do my part. What's my part? Well, I'm glad you asked. You didn't ask, did you? Malachi chapter number 3. What is my part? Financially, my part is Malachi chapter number 3 and verse number 8. He says, Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? Do you know what it means to be robbed? It means to take somebody by gunpoint or to threaten them by their life. The Bible says that you have robbed God. He, he says, but he says, where will a man rob God? Would you rob God? Anybody in here take a, take a, a gun to God? Anybody in here take a knife to God and say, ha, I'm going to rob you. Now give me what you have. Not one person in here is, 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 is crazy enough to do that to God. But the Bible says, will a man rob God? Yet, wherein have you robbed thee? Look in verse number, if you're there with me, that's fine. If not, then follow, uh, Malachi chapter, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi 3 and verse 8. He says, wherein have you robbed God? Where have you robbed God? Listen to what he says. In tithes and offerings. Ye, now, he says in verse number 9, Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. God says that if you rob God, if you, don't, if you don't put your tithe, and if you don't put your offering in the plate, or give to the storehouse, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, we're robbing God. We're taking God, and we're robbing him of what is his. What is, what is tithe? You say, what is tithe? Tithe, the word tithe means 10%. So that's what that word means. So as a Christian, I need to give a 10% of what I earn. So if I earn a dollar, I need to give God 10%. So if I earn $10, what do I need to give God? 10%. Some of you may have to get out a calculator to figure out what that is. But you owe, that I owe that back to God. You say, why? Because he tells me to. In verse number 9, he said, if I, cur- if, I, if I don't give like I'm supposed to, then I'll be cursed. Verse number 10, <coughs> he tells us where to bring it. He says, bring all ye tithes into the storehouse that ye may be meat in my house, and prove me now here, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. God tells us 
that if you're not for sure, hey, I don't know about the tithing thing. I don't know about taking 10% of my check and giving it to God. I just don't know if I can live on that 90%. Look, the Bible says in verse number 10 that if you will just do it, prove God, and God will prove to you that you can. And <clears throat> look, you're, you're not going to put uh, your tithe in the offering, and the next week uh, you're, you're going to be blessed. Whoa, whoa, man, I can't even believe it. You might. But it might not happen like that. But as a Christian, every one of us have a part. And our part is our tithe. But not only our tithe, our offering. What is that? A tithe is 10%. An offering is anything above the 10%. Look, if I only give 8%, look, I'll never be able to give an offering. You understand that? Now, now in verse number 11, look what happens. Uh, verse number 10, I'll finish reading it. I know, I know, I'm kind of teaching a little bit this morning. We'll get to the message in just a moment. If I just want to explain it so we understand. If, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. If you give, if you do what you're supposed to do, if you give back to the storehouse like you're supposed to, there'll be blessings way more than you could ever begin to imagine if you do what God's asked us to do. Verse number 11, he said, and I will, God says, I will rebuke the devourer who is at that Satan for your sakes and he shall destroy, he shall not destroy you, the fruits of your ground and, ye, and neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the, the, the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, if you give, if you do what you're supposed to do as a Christian, I will tell the devourer I will tell Satan to get off of your fruit, to get off of your bank, and to run the other way. So if I don't, if I don't give like I'm supposed to, I'll be cursed with a curse. And verse number nine is what he says. So as a Christian, I have a duty. As a church, we have a duty. All of us working together striving together so not only <clears throat> do we need to strive together financially number two we need to strive together you're like hallelujah he's off the money all right here we go number two we need to strive together for the fullness of the gospel look at verse number 29 romans back to romans chapter 15 if you've chased me all over there then you go follow back to romans there Romans 15, verse 29. He says, <coughs> And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of who? Of the gospel of Christ. So Paul says, We need to work together for the fullness of the gospel. How is it that we can take the gospel to the whole world? Do you know what? One person can't take the gospel to the whole world. Not one individual can preach the gospel. I can't be preaching the gospel today in, in, uh, in Nederland, Texas, and at the same time preaching in Zambia, Africa. And I can't be preaching, a, a missionary can't be preaching in Zambia, Africa, at the same time someone's preaching in Toronto, Canada. It can't be done. One person cannot reach the world. And so as a Christian, the Bible says that we got to work together for the fullness of the gospel. How in the world can can I reach people I've never talked to? How in the world can I reach people that I've never even seen? I cannot do that, can I? But we can together. You have family that I've never met. 
You have aunts, you have uncles, you have cousins, you have siblings, you have uh, kids, you have grandkids that I may never even meet. You have a chance to reach somebody I can't. I have family, I have cousins, I have aunts, I have uncles, I have grandparents, I have kids. Guess what? Guess what my job is? Is to reach those. Some people you may never meet. But how does that work? The fullness of the gospel. All of us working to what? Everybody say that. Everybody working what? Everybody working what? I can't do it alone. And neither can you. For the fullness of the gospel. Hey, I pray to God that he would help us reach Nederland, Texas. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't care. One man cannot reach Nederland, Texas by himself. It won't happen. One person won't do it. It's you and me striving together that God would allow us to reach Jefferson County and God would allow us to reach Hardin County and God would allow us to reach those counties that are around us and the cities that surround us. Hey, how does that work? We can't do it alone. We have to work together. Striving together. Paul was able to preach the gospel in all the cities that he did was because somebody was with him Somebody was helping him. Somebody opened their door. Somebody allowed him to preach the gospel in their home. Because they were all working together for the fullness of the gospel. Every one of us, each one of us have a part. Not only does he say that we need to financially strive together, but we need the fullness of the gospel. We need to work together on the gospel. Then number three, he says, we need to pray. He said, I want you to pray for me. Look in, look in that next verse. <coughs> verse number 30. What does he say? He said that we strive together with me in your what? Prayers to God for who? For who? Who? Say it a little bit louder. Who? Who needs prayer? Me. But who's going to pray for me? Who's going to pray for me? Who's going to pray for you? Look, we're a church. All of us ought to work together and pray for each other. All of us ought to work together financially. All of us ought to work together for the gospel. All of us ought to work together praying for each other. We, hey, it may, it is important that the gospel is true. It is important that the gospel is sure. But it is such as important that we pray for each other. There is, we need a wall of prayer around each other. We need to pray for those that are hurting. Pray for those that are sick. Pray for those who could not be here this morning because they were financially or they were, they were hindered because they were sick or, or something got in their way this morning. We need to pray for them. How in the world can we expect God to reach this country and to reach Nederland and to reach Beaumont and to reach Crowth and to reach Port Arthur and to reach Port Natchez if we do not pray for those that are in our city. And how in the world can we expect God to bless our church if we won't pray for those that we attend with? Because every single person in this room, you're going through something that I don't know about. And you're facing battles 
I don't know about. And you need somebody praying for you. <coughs> There's a story in the Old Testament. Moses, Moses is in the middle of a battle. And as long as his hands were up, they were winning the battle. Well, guess what? The battle raged on. And his arms got a little bit tired. And he got, he got a little bit of weak. Moses was an old man at the time. He was starting to get weak. He didn't know what he was going to do. But he knew if he put his arms down, his team, his army would begin to lose the battle. And all of a sudden, here came somebody running beside him. His name was Aaron. And he grabbed his right arm and he said, Oh, help you, Moses. And all of a sudden, he got his arm. He said, I'll keep your arm up, Moses. And all of a sudden, here came another man named Her. And he grabbed his other arm and he said, Moses, I'll keep your arms up so we can win the battle. Moses, you sit down and we'll hold your arms up. That's what we need as a church, a community together, praying and working and holding each other together. That's what we need together. But guess what? I can't do that by myself. And neither can you. Striving together. <coughs> A wall of prayer surrounding me. Paul's request to them. If you will notice in this text, Paul didn't write them and say, hey, I'm of need of financial gain. I'm in need of this. I have this need and this need and this need and this need. What did he ask them for? Would you just pray for me? There's somebody who prayed for me. There's somebody that you need to pray for. Stand in the gap for somebody and pray for them. I'm here this morning, a Bible preacher, because of my grandma who prayed. You say, did she pray for me? Yeah. She prayed for my daddy. And my daddy got right and raised me in church because my grandma prayed for me. I know someone that prayed on my behalf. Whose behalf are you praying for? Whose behalf are you praying for? We need to pray together. Then he says this. This is how he ends it. He says, in verse number 31, he says that I may be delivered from them that do not believe. He's talking about people that are persecuting him, people that don't believe, people that are trying to get rid of him. He said, pray for those that, won't, won't, uh, that are against me. Then he continues to say that my service which I have from Jerusalem may be what? Accepted of the saints. You know what we need to pray for? We need to pray for each other. We need to work together for the gospel. We need to work together financially. But then he also says this. <coughs> we need to pray for those that are out there that they'll accept the gospel once we give them. 
there's people, man, that we've been working on, we've been praying for for years. And finally, they accept it. I remember, and I've, you, you, those of you that have been here, you've heard me tell this story, and I'm going to keep telling it until Jesus comes back. I remember my mama, every Wednesday night at prayer meeting, she'd raise her hand and ask prayer for her brother who was lost. My brother who's lost. I don't know, 20-something years, every Wednesday night, she'd raise her hand every Wednesday night, pray for my brother who, who doesn't know he's on his way to heaven. One Christmas, my family, my family, my aunts and uncles, my grandparents all live in Kansas. My parents, my parents live in Arkansas. My parents went back to, to Kansas to visit the family one, one Christmas a couple years ago. They, they went out to eat with my uncle that my mom has been praying for for over 20 years that God would save her. And he sat across the table from her that night at the restaurant and told her, I. Now, I'm going to tell you how that happened. was because there was someone who never stopped praying for that person that they would accept that gift. I don't know who it is in your life that you need to keep praying for. Don't stop. I don't know who, what it is in your life that you're, man, it's frustrating. I don't know where it's going to happen. I don't know. It doesn't seem like nothing's going, nothing is working out the way I ought to go. Don't quit. Don't you stop praying, Grandma. Don't you stop praying, Mama. Don't you stop. You keep praying. You keep praying for those. Keep praying for those that are lost. Hey, the story of the prodigal son, when he came home that day, that daddy was sitting on his, on his porch waiting for his son to come home. I'm going to tell you that. His daddy was inside praying, or his mama was inside praying because the mama wasn't on the porch. Somebody was praying for him to come home. Somebody was praying for him to get right. Who do I need to pray for? Who do I need to give the gospel to? Who do I need to pray they'll accept the gospel? Who do I need to say, whoa, do I give like I'm supposed to? Why does the church need money? There's only one reason. So the gospel can be preached. There's not one other reason. There's not one other reason. Thankfully, the gospel's free. You know that? But the transportation's not. It costs a little bit to transport the gospel. But every one of us, guess what we need to do? Work together. I don't care what ore you grab, but let's work together. Pray, give, pray for those that they will accept it, pray for those that haven't accepted it, pray, don't quit praying mama, don't quit, don't quit, God we love you, we thank you for today, I thank you for allowing us to be together this